Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. And welcome once again to the show. Glad to have you with us coming up. We will speak to Pat Williams, recently retired from the Orlando Magic and heading up Orlando's efforts to try to land Major League Baseball in Central Florida. Pat will join us to talk about that and also share some memories and recollections of the late NBA Commissioner David Stern. That'll be coming up in just a little bit as Pat is standing by in the virtual green room. The NFL playoffs this weekend. Here, let's break it down for you real quick. Saturday, 435 on NBC. The sixth seed Minnesota taking on San Francisco after the Vikings get the overtime win over the New Orleans Saints. The Saints get, uh, in their opinion, jobbed again by officiating on a non-OPI call. Last in the year before was defensive pass interference, which was way more blatant. And, you know, the the pass interference thing is, you know, I think that that rule's going to somehow get buried at some point. It was ridiculous to come up with it in the first place because the problem with the rule is the NFL doesn't know what pass interference is. You see in one game, you know, receiver and defensive back hand fighting all the way down. You know, they're, it's almost like WWE, no flags. In another game you watch, you know, guy gets uh, tapped across the, the arm and flag comes out. So until the NFL figures out what path, pass interference is going to be or what the consistency of it is going to be, that rule is just totally worthless. Meanwhile, back to Minnesota versus San Francisco. Interesting affair here, and I like the Vikings. You know, the 49ers have had a terrific season. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo is proving more and more to be a good quarterback, but this is his first time on the big stage. The Vikings, you know, finally getting Kirk Cousins a signature playoff win was helpful. But the Vikings have a defense, and defense travels in the playoffs. And granted, you know, when we get to this stage, most teams do have decent defense. But I think the Vikings defense will allow them to move on. The night game is on CBS at 8-15, featuring the 6-seed Tennessee at the 1-seed Baltimore. So both six seeds in each conference getting into the divisional round. I don't see much of a contest here. The Ravens are the best team in football, in my opinion. And I don't really see this being much of a game. We turn to Sunday. 3.05 on CBS. The four-seed Houston at the two-seed Kansas City. I think that's going to be kind of a mirror image of the Tennessee-Baltimore game. Kansas City at home. I you know, Houston battled Buffalo tough. I just don't know that they have enough. So I'm taking the Chiefs in that one. And the night game at 640 on Fox. The five-seed Seattle taking on the two-seed Green Bay. Seattle with a gritty win over the Eagles to advance. Green Bay, to me, the most dangerous team in the playoffs because nobody is talking about them. And they won 13 games. And Aaron Rodgers is a bum based on his numbers this year, if you, if you listen to some people. Uh, I think this will be a tight game. Because Seattle's a really good team. I mean, as a five seed, they are they still uh, 
you know, we're an 11 win team, but I think ultimately the Packers will outlast them. So in three of the four, I pick the home team. So if you add up the, the calculations, I've got a one, two matchup in the AFC Baltimore, Kansas city, which I think everybody wants to see. And I've got a NFC North matchup in the NFC Championship game with Minnesota and Green Bay battling there. So remember, you heard it here first. If those picks are incorrect, I'm going to go back and re-record the segment, edit it back in, and re-release the podcast. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just kidding. But you do have that option in the podcast world that you don't have on live radio. But no, I will stick by my predictions Win or lose one way or the other. And the college football playoff coming up on Monday night. It's been about a month since the uh, semifinal games, right? Just seems that way, but it's been a long time. Two and a half weeks. Or pretty close to that. Just a bad move by college football in that regard because with that length of time, you know, their semifinals were before New Year's Day. So you lost a lot of juice there. Then you put in the fact that it's been so long and they're getting buried by the NFL because of the all the coaching news going on. You're not hearing much about <laughs> about the college football playoff because the NFL's got the play their playoff, a legitimate playoff, and all the news that already circulates because when the uh Black Monday comes around. It's about who's getting fired and who's getting hired for the next several weeks. So college football totally missed the boat on that one. They've totally messed up by not having a presence on New Year's Day. They've, you know, with games being moved off to New Year's Day that have been traditionally a New Year's Day. And look, you know, I, I, I'm not against trying it, but clearly it doesn't work. So they got to get back to a model where You've got semifinals, New Year's Day, and a playoff game very soon after. They got to get to that point. As far as the game itself, Clemson, LSU. I'm having a hard time picking this one. You know, Clemson is in a good spot because they get to play the under underdog card, which they love to do, and they you know they've done it before. Uh, and they're a really great team. The fact they play at a crappy conference. For football, isn't their fault. Doesn't make them a bad team. They are definitely legitimate in being there. And you you beat Ohio State, then hey, totally well-deserved. LSU, I think, is the best team. But when you uh, have two great teams and a Clemson team that has been there before, clearly an advantage there for them. I'm still going to go with LSU. I just had that feeling that they're going to come through a register. And again, kind of going back to that theme of what has hurt the college football playoff besides the long layoff. And although I think they got it right this year with the four playoff teams, the championship game is still a Southern regional experience. So until, you know, it's it, 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 and totally the right two teams playing for the championship. 
But until you have a playoff that has a broader scope, and if it ends up being two teams from the South, okay. Point taken. But in the current format, when the South keeps getting all the love, those are those challenges that they're going to have to overcome. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the program a man who recently retired as chief executive uh, with the Orlando Magic and also now heading up Orlando's Major League Baseball efforts. Pat Williams is back on the program with us. Pat, thank you for being here. Thank you, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you again for taking the time. And Pat, I, before we talk about the uh, the, the baseball efforts, Wanted to uh, get some thoughts from you regarding David Stern, the uh, uh, late NBA commissioner who passed away recently. Um, so I have to ask: back in the back in the eighties, when you know when when you were the general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers, and David Stern got wind that you were going to lead the 76ers to head up the expansion efforts in Orlando, did he want to like feel your forehead and ask you if you were okay? Well, David was very kind to me through that whole period. Obviously, he could not um, indicate uh, what he thought might happen or give me any false information. But when we got uh, ready to start pursuing it, and businessman Jimmy Hewitt went up to see him on several occasions, uh, David was always very, very kind. And um, encouraging, as I'm sure he was with the other potential cities, because there were about six of them that wanted to explore expansion. And David had to be careful. But once he saw the interest here, and once he saw the outpouring of fans with the uh, deposits on 14,000 season tickets, uh, David, I think, and then the NBA, all the NBA began thinking, what is going on down there in Orlando? What is happening? And um, so he was always very supportive in, in, in a quiet way. And once we got the team, yeah, then David was became our biggest fan because he really wanted to open up Florida to, to the NBA. And the idea of having a team in South Florida and another one in the middle part of the state uh, really, um, well, he, he caught the vision of what that could mean. Well, it's it's meant a lot. And uh, the state of Florida has become a red-hot spot for, for the NBA. So, Pat, uh, you know, how, how much do you look back at the timing of all this? You know, David Stern was uh, relatively early into his commissionership with the league and, you know, certainly wanted to grow the game. And then, you know, great timing for Orlando to come upon this upon the scene in that time. I think so. Uh, you know, David saw these numbers of cities, Charlotte, Miami, Orlando, uh, many, many, Minneapolis, among others. And I think it was an eye opener to the league. Golly, they thought, this much interest from, from these various cities. 
They want to come in and become a member of this league. That had never happened before. And I think it was uh, really quite an eye-opener for the, for the NBA owners and, uh, and the people in the league office. A good eye-opener. It, it was a, a very strong, healthy move for the league in, into these markets, which opened up the NBA uh, to uh, areas of the United States that had not been exposed to it. So, Pat, when when you look at uh, David Stern's legacy, you know, uh, there's so many things you could probably point to. Um, what would you say is his biggest legacy as far as uh, the NBA? Because, you know, before he started, I mean, you could make a case the NBA was probably at one time a distant third in the major professional sports landscape. Well, he goes down in history, uh, along with Pete Rozelle, as the two greatest commissioners in sports history. And David took over the league in the mid-80s. The league had problems. There's no question about it. Uh, There were lots of conceptions. There were misconceptions. And and David had to take it over and and really um, get things moving and get them churning. Uh, He was able to do that. Uh, First of all, he got a huge break uh, when Michael Jordan came into the league in 1984, just as David was getting started. That didn't hurt. No. Uh, When when Michael just put the entire league up on his back and and sold the sport all around the world. Uh, The timing on that was providential. And uh, David knew that. But he certainly knew how to how to how to take advantage of it. Uh, David was a lawyer by profession, but really he was a marketing guy. Mm-hmm. He was a sales he was a salesperson. Uh, he knew how to sell and he knew how to market this product. He uh, he had many gifts, as it turns out, and um, and used all of them, you know, to help vault the NBA to where it is today. And Pat, you certainly would know a marketing guy when you see one. That's for that's for definite sure. So I can relate to you a story that uh, my listeners have heard probably on more than one occasion. But uh, I think it's something that uh, I think you could probably expand upon as well. Uh, way back when uh, I was producing Chris Russo's show here in the Orlando market, and we managed to land an interview with David Stern. And you know, I'm I'm the board operator, the producer, and I'm getting the commissioner on the phone. And while he's waiting, he he asked me. He goes, and I'm sure this was around the time that uh, you and Jimmy Hewitt were. Uh, we're formulating the plans, and and he's asking me. So, how do you think the NBA will go over in Orlando? And I'm like a 20 year old kid, and and, and, and a big ah. NBA fan, and I'm like, wow, it would be great, and 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 all that. And of course, I'm just you know one one kid. But I think the fact that he took the time to ask that question of you know just a guy that's producing a radio show, uh, you know, to me it speaks to me that he did a lot of a lot of questioning and a lot of investigating. Yeah, he was a curious guy by nature, and he wanted to take advantage of other people's knowledge. That's the mark of a good leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, the greatest mark of a great leader is his vision. Uh, the ability to see down the road, to see the future before it gets here. And as it turns out, David was the ultra-visionary. 
You know, he had a vision of what the NBA could become. He had a vision of how it could be uh, sold around the world. Uh, he had a clear view in his mind about how that was going to look. And then he knew how to take the steps to turn that vision into reality. I think in years ahead, they're going to be teaching leadership courses in business schools uh, built around uh, this business model of David Stern. I, I, I think that um, I think that could well be a possibility. So, Pat, do you have any uh, stories that uh, you would say, what would be like your favorite moment with, with Commissioner Stern? Do you have one? Well, the one that he will never forget is when we went up there to New York to officially uh, provide the deposit uh, that we were a, a candidate. We were we were in this uh, for the expansion. We were, and, and there was a press conference, and David was there. I took two Mickey Mouse ear sets with me. And, and as we were posing, I took one of them out and I popped it right on David Stern's head. Well, he didn't, he didn't want that. And he got it off, I mean, instantly. <laughs> at, which, at which point I popped a second one on his head. And that's the one that the photographers got. So there is David Stern with us with a set of Mickey Mouse ears on, and um, uh, that's the picture that went out. <laughs> well, David never forgot that. He, he, he forgave me, but I, uh, I still chuckle over that moment up in the league office uh, when we were fighting uh, to sell Orlando and, and get any kind of coverage that we could get. And sure enough, it took a second set of Mickey Mouse ears to do it. Well, see, it's always good to have a backup in, in place. So that was a good job by you there, Pat. So, um, again, I would definitely thought you would be uh, great to have on to talk about uh, 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 Commissioner David Stern and what a great legacy he had in his 30 years as Commissioner of the NBA. So let's turn now to the efforts that you are behind, the Orlando Dreamers, the effort to bring Major League Baseball to Orlando. You announced this back in November. How have things progressed since then? We're very pleased, uh, Jeff, very pleased. Uh, we we announced on the 20th of November that uh, we were going to make an effort uh, to try and bring Major League Baseball here at the appropriate time, but we had to get started. And above all, we had to find out from the community uh, do you want to do this? Do you think it's a good idea? Uh, how supportive would you be? And so we, uh, we announced our website, uh, orlandodreamers.com, and we encourage people to go up there and express themselves and, most importantly, to tell us if they would have an interest at some point in season tickets. Well, as of today, 11,000... 360 people have gone up there to say, yes, I would have an interest in season tickets. Uh, well, nobody buys just one, so uh, conservatively, uh, multiply that number by two. 
Well, you're talking close to 23,000 potential season tickets. Uh, And that number's going to keep going up because we're going to keep pushing and and driving people to that website. And um, it's uh, going to be a very, very impressive number as people express themselves here saying, yes, uh, we like Major League Baseball. We'd like it to happen here. And we're, uh, we're supportive. So that's, that's, that's the big, big effort. That's what we're still working on. Uh, you know, we want to keep driving that number up close to 20,000 if we can. And uh, 20,000 people. And I think in the months ahead, that's going to happen. Have you had commission? Have you had discussions rather with Major League Baseball at all? Not, not directly. No, uh, there's no real need for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got to wait and see what happens first of all. What happens uh, close by with the or, or uh, the Rays next door? Well, what what are they going to do? Uh, they, they've got eight years left on a lease. Um, are they are they going to move? And can we convince them that moving here would be their best bet? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're watching also what baseball might do with expansion, and and what what they uh, would ultimately do there. Uh, so there are lots of unknowns, but but what we need to do here is get ourselves ready, so that when baseball does is ready to make some decisions. Uh, we've we've done our homework, and, and we've we've done all that we can uh, to impress baseball and convince them that this is where they need to be. And as far as you know, just getting the word out and and getting people to to show the interest, what other steps are you taking as far as you know what kind of plans on where to play? That what what are potential sites? What sort of other plans do you have in motion? Oh, we're looking at those sites. We're we're working on that. There, there's nothing to announce yet. Sure, uh, but we're uh, we're paying attention to, to to those potential sites. Yes, thoroughly. And uh, we we thought it would be a good idea to have our nickname in place and and have uh, hats and shirts look like a real team. Uh, we we got on top of that early. Uh, we're working on a potential mascot. Uh, which which we, which we can talk about when it's finished in a few months, and so we're um, we're paying attention and trying to touch every base, and uh, there's there's going to be a lot of work to do if if the Rays say yes, move to Orlando. We like that idea. Well, then we got to really start swinging heavy, or. If the Rays decide, you know, we're moving elsewhere, then we've got to hop aboard the expansion effort and and, and get rolling in that department. So those are a few things that we're wrestling with right now. Well, Pat, the other uh, thing I wanted to uh, kind of relate to, you know, why I'm very glad that you are behind this effort is that you leave no stone unturned. Um, you know, back when uh, the days of uh, forming the magic were taking place, uh, before you and I became associated with your radio show at WGTO, I worked at a small AM station in Cocoa Beach, and you called and said, hey, can I come on and talk about the magic? And... You know, this station, you know, probably had 10 listeners at best, except when we ran Paul Harvey News and Commentary. 
So I made sure. <laughs> so I made sure to delay Paul Harvey from his scheduled time and interview you instead to make sure you had the had the audience. But the fact that you, you that you you did such a great grassroots effort and all that, and even if with today's technology, there are different ways of doing grassroots efforts. Um, can you talk a little bit about some of the other things you're doing to to get the word out? Well, there's no question with all the all the improved ways of communication, uh, websites and cell phones and uh, Facebook, and I mean, I can't even list them all. <laughs> and we're trying to take advantage of all of them because that's how people communicate today. And we don't, we don't want to miss anything. Uh, we've surrounded ourselves with some really sharp uh, technical people uh, who oversee all this. And we, we want to make sure that uh, we're doing everything that we should to uh, let people know what we're doing and, and make it easier for people in, in the way now that uh, so many communicate. I'm still a direct communicator. I still use the phone and, and talk to people in person. But, but this generation is communicating in a lot of different ways and, and we're right up there with them. Uh, communicating our baseball situation to everybody that we can figure out how to reach. Well, Pat, you're probably busier in retirement than you uh, <laughs> than you were when you were still working for the Magic. Uh, besides this effort, uh, you uh, have authored many, many, many books. Uh, got anything you're currently working on? Yes, we've got a couple of books that will be coming out later this year. Uh, one of them is called... Uh, who coached the coaches? Uh, there's another one coming called Every Day is Game Day. And then there's one further down the road called uh, The Reluctant Leader. Uh, that's a book we're putting together now. And there, and there are a few other uh, writing projects that are in the, in, this, uh, in the loop here. So yeah, I'm still, I'm still able to uh, get some books out. And I mean, I always have enjoyed doing that. So I gotta ask, when do you sleep? <laughs> oh, I sleep well. I I need sleep, and I, I get it. Uh, but when the day when the day starts, uh, then it's um, all out. You know, I don't uh, I don't waste any time during the day. It's amazing what you can get accomplished if you stay focused and disciplined, and do what has to be done when it has needs to be done. And, and stick with it. You can get an awful lot done in a day. Well, Pat, you certainly do get a lot done. Uh, and, and uh, boy, you know, a lot of people wish they had the, the kind of a determination that you have. That's for, for sure. And, Pat, I thank you very much. for you. You've always been great to me over the years and appreciate your time talking about Commissioner Stern. And we certainly wish you uh, the very best and uh, hope, hope things are, are going to be great in order to get Major League Baseball in Orlando. It would be, it would be so great to have uh, MLB here in Central Florida. Jeff, thanks a million. Uh, nice to talk to you. And there's a, a terrific read in the Tampa Bay Times uh, you're going to want to check out. Story by uh, Charlie Frago, or Frago. Try it both ways, make sure I get it right. Uh, story about uh, Pat Williams, and the headline is Orlando, the future for the Tampa Bay Rays. So a nice little thing, and uh, a lot of the quotes from Pat are 
just Pat Williams at his best and explain the reasons why the Rays need to move eastward. And, you know, Pat wanted to say Orlando Rays when he was talking about the Tampa Bay Rays during our interview. So, again, we thank Pat for being here on the program today. All right, so this time last week, you know, Jason Garrett was still a coach of the Dallas Cowboys, and I was starting to wonder if that was going to be the case coming into this week, but uh, they finally make a move. Mike McCarthy, former Green Bay Packer head coach, is now the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys after a overnight meeting this last past weekend. Evidently, there's been some speculation whether it's, if the story's been, you know, exaggerated a bit. Whether, you know, McCarthy had a sleepover at the Jones residence, but <laughs> nonetheless, he got the job in 12 hours worth of interviewing. And Jason Garrett is now unemployed. Still under contract, I think, for a few more days. But it was just kind of weird how they drugged that thing out with Jason Garrett. And again, no, there's deep ties there with the Jones and the Garrett families. But that was a little torturous to Coach Clapper. <laughs> and really now the only head coaching vacancy is open is in Cleveland. Who wants that job? I don't think Jason Garrett would want to put his name in the ring. Uh, Carolina won the what ended up quickly being the Matt Rule sweepstakes as I guess the Giants had interest in him but Carolina's paying a lot of money for Matt Rule to come in Giants end up settling for Joe Judge special teams coach under Bill Belichick with the New England Patriots it's interesting to see how Coaches that are under the Belichick coaching tree, I think they're pretty considerably under 500 as head coaches, though Mike Vrabel wasn't that funny. Giving Coach Hoodie a taste of his own medicine with the punt penalty shenanigans. That was awesome. <laughs> and you know, Bill O'Brien you know, has had a little bit of success here and there. I guess he finally got over the hurdle there, so... But by and large, the assistants that leave have not had great experience. Some end up going back. Josh McDaniels, I guess he's now the Cleveland possibility for head coach. I don't know. I think if you're Josh McDaniels, you wait. You wait another year. That is not the that is not the job you want to take, especially having already failed out on his own. Going into Cleveland is just a no-win situation for him. So he should just pack it in and say, you know what, never mind. I'll, I'll, I'll coach with New England one more year. And is the Tom Brady era over? The 42-year-old quarterback who wants to play till he's 45, he ain't going to make it to 45. But what happens now? Bill Belichick is always... Cut a player a year too early as opposed to a year too late. You know, that was the Bill Walsh philosophy. And, you know, he 
cut Joe Montana. He made the move to go to Steve Young. Problem in New England is they don't have a Steve Young type waiting in the wings. <laughs> so they would have to look elsewhere. Maybe a Teddy Bridgewater, perhaps. But lots to speculate as far as the NFL offseason is concerned for those teams that are going to have to rebuild, reload, and all that jazz. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. As always, please follow me, JeffAllenSportsTalk.com, the website, Twitter, at JeffAllen underscore 88. Easy for me to say. I do know my own name. <laughs> and as always, please, if you don't subscribe, please do so. Love to have you if you're listening to us for the first time. Uh, no matter what platform you're on, yeah, we've got a way for you to subscribe to the podcast. We would certainly love to have you as part of our regular doings here on the podcast. And with that, we are done here. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. It's made from the finest ingredients so it stops itching, heals hot spots, and painful inflamed skin. Kramer's Salve contains a proprietary blend of neem, an ingredient known for its healing properties. A 4-ounce 6-month supply, including shipping, is just $30, and the 2-ounce 3-month supply, including shipping, is only $20. Help your dog end the itch and hot spot cycle. Order today at Kramersalve.net. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E. Dot net.